0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, a little trade deadline edition, a little Washington National series to talk about. Definitely a lot going on in the baseball world, especially in the Mets world. So we're going to cover everything here. We're going to talk about the Max Scherzer trade, the David Robertson trade, and then we'll end with the Washington National Series, which went really well. A three out of four. I mean, that's kind of like the the secret headline of this entire episode is that the Mets played really good baseball this weekend. So we'll talk about everything with you guys. Make sure you're following us on all our social media, at Mets on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Make sure you're also subscribed to the New York Mets YouTube channel so you can see the video version of this if you're listening to us. And if you are listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google podcast odyssey drop us a rating drop us a review download and subscribe james back at the ballpark on what might have been the nicest day of the entire year how are we feeling it was kind of funny that all this crazy stuff has happened this weekend like as this
2: awful heat and humidity lifted out of new york city and now it was beautiful and it was a wonderful day to just sit in the sun at the ballpark oh. and enjoy a nice easy Mets victory but with that weird little sense in the back of your mind of like what had transpired in the last like 24 hours even 72 hours going back to
1: both trades of Max Scherzer and David Robertson. Yeah, we talked about it. Uh, The Mets have made a couple moves. Like you just said, Scherzer and Robertson on the move. Scherzer going to the Texas Rangers. David Robertson staying in division, going to the Miami Marlins. Let's go ahead and start it off with the Max Scherzer trade because I think there's a lot of conversation here, a lot of talk about what's going on, what did the Mets get, a lot of questions I'm sure you guys have. You want to know more about these prospects because, let's be honest, some of the people that do a lot of the reporting don't know that much about the prospects. So... Tell you all about it, Max Scherzer, and was it $36 million going to the Texas Rangers in exchange for Luis Angel Acuna? A bit of a a mouthful with the name Luis Angel, though. That's how we're going to know him as for the rest of the time. Yeah, because he's not Acuna. While he is Ronald Acuna's brother, and that is the headline that
2: most people went with for this trade because that's the easy reporting. That's you could take off the top. That's the thing you could say without doing any research, and many people did do that. I really want to caution Mets fans to not compare this person to his brother.
1: Not fair. It's not fair. Not he's, fair.
2: He's a good prospect. He's a really good chance to be a really good player. But Ronald Cunha Jr. is going to be one of the best baseball players any of us see in our respective lives. <laughs> he might get 40 and 70 yeah, this year. He's, 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 tr- he's pacing right now for one of the greatest single seasons in baseball history, which is weird because like after someone's had one of the best years in baseball history, and while wow, someone else is probably having the best year <laughs> yeah. in baseball history, but in terms of the National League. No one's ever had twenty homers and 50, 30 homers and 50 steals in a year. He's going to have that by the end of August. Yeah,
1: no, he's been playing really special. But his brother is also really, really good.
2: No, he's incredible. And that's the other thing that is really important about this trade. The Mets got what is considered by many a blue-chip prospect in exchange for Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, all the accolades, all the acclaim, all the notoriety, Hall of Fame pitcher, was at this time definitely as what, 39-year-old, 38-year-old? Yep, on the downturn of his career. So netting an elite prospect back, someone who many think could be, as of right now, the number one prospect in the Mets system, is at worst a huge organizational victory for the Mets. And the big thing about... Luis Angelicuna, is that he's just ridiculously explosive. He's twitchy. Twitchy. He's smaller than his brother. He's only about 5'8", 5'9". The height's 5'10". Some places change because he's still also 21 years old. Yeah, he's He young. might even have just grown a little bit. He probably grew a little bit since they last measured him on a lot of these websites. But he has really has a lot of torque. He gets around on the ball. He plays great defense up the middle. Like, if anything, he has raw power and he can move.
1: Yeah, the way I'd, I'm going to read the description off Baseball America because I think they did a really good job of describing what kind of player he is. Acuna has sex- successfully made the jump to Double A and has improved as a defender at shortstop. He plays shortstop, second base, and center field, which strong up the middle always super interesting for me. He doesn't project to be the same caliber player as his brother. We understand that. We we basically said that, but he has all the or he has the all around tools to be a solid everyday player, yes. which is fantastic, fantastic. Everything you want with the explosiveness that he shows. It gives a real ceiling to a guy like Luis on Helicuña. Yes, and something interesting about the defensive linemen that
2: Mark just mentioned, he's been playing more center field recently, which I feel like was a move by the Rangers to make him a little bit more... Show a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, A little more... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like Enticing. Attra- attractive in these trade negotiations because they have a great team, the Rangers. They're especially strong up the middle. They, two years ago, signed... Corey Seager, and Marcus Semien for a combined, like, what, almost $500 million yeah. to be up the middle for them for the next almost decade, so it was going to be difficult for them to find a place for Acuna. Maybe they, were, they weren't really that confident in the center fielder. Maybe that's where he winds up. We don't know where he's going to wind up with the Mets yet, but him playing those games in center field recently make me think, especially where the Mets are up the middle as well, think that that's possibly an outcome we have
1: here. And if you look at a lot of the top organizations when you look at, you know, their prospect pipeline that they've got going on, Usually, the best prospects come from up the middle. Like yeah. You don't normally hear too many, pro, you know, prospect organizations going like, "Got a ton of great first basemen." Like it's usually like we got a lot of great shortstops, center fielders, catchers. And if you look at the Mets minor league system right now, they're, they're super strong up the middle,
2: especially the way they've been drafting the last few years. I think about two of the, the last three first-round picks between Colin Houck, Jet Williams, and Kevin Parada, yeah. All guys who play at the middle. You look at the Mets roster right now. You look at Francisco Alvarez, Francisco Lindor, and Brandon Nemo. Something all, we were talking about. Yes. Cause you're trying these trades will kind of make us all think about next year now more than this year, and like where the direction of the team is going. And you look and you and no matter what, what you can say is that the Mets are very strong up the middle with those three guys. And they're building a prospect pool which is very strong up the middle. And then whatever happens, guys fan out. Mark Vientos was drafted as a shortstop. Yes. And now, we don't know his position, but yeah. that's just how it works. Like You're a good athlete, you play shortstop when you're young, and then you figure it out later. That's why a lot of people we've heard online obsessing over the, the positions of some of these prospects the Mets have been acquiring. could it matter less. It's could it Could not co- matter at all. Completely irrelevant. If you're good enough, you'll find a place to play, and you will be successful, and then that's how you kind of start. You go, and then it happens. But Mark also talked about the fact that Acuna played much better in double-A this year, second go-around. He did get to double-A last year, and he had a really tough go of it. He was about 30% worse than league average. He was striking out a good bit, and he didn't really get to any power. This year, he's getting to more power. He's 20% better than league average. He's cut his strikeout rate by three points, and his walk
1: rate has gone down a little, and it's still there. And he has 42 steals already in 84 AA games. It's the fourth most stolen bases in minor league baseball for players 21 years or younger. I mean, the dude's got crazy speed.
2: And when you have a lot of steals like that in minor leagues, it tells me two things. One, it tells me just, first of all, you're very fast. Yes, you're a fast guy. You're really fast. But two, you're kind of very in tune with the game. 'Cause a big part of stealing is like understanding pitchers,
1: understanding cadence, gotta like be a being good base locked runner. in.
2: Yeah. And the fact that you're stealing at, at will, that means you're really in control out there.
1: Yeah. I mean three fifteen average, three seventy seven on base, four fifty three slugging, eight thirty OPS is just fantastic. I think Amateur on the I podcast. Know, I know, left, I left the sound on, but I was a pro. I went right through it. That's how you got to handle it. You just got to ignore the sound. Oh, yeah, turn your sound off too now, <laughs> just, just I see. In. <laughs> just in case. But yeah, he's been mashing, like you said, double A. And you were telling me earlier, it's hard to find exit velos a lot of the time on these minor league guys. It just depends on the stadiums. Right? The, the Rangers double A stadium doesn't have it publicly available. But Acuna did go to the AFL last year. One of the youngest
2: players there. He didn't exactly have a great go, but he did hit a 430-foot home run with 105-mile-an-hour exit velocity yes. as a 5'9", 20-year-old.
1: Yeah. I mean, if he was a a draft pick,
2: essentially, he'd be a first-round pick. He'd be a bona fide first-round pick. he probably, this year's draft, just because it was a little weak on shortstop, yeah. probably been the first shortstop drafted. I yeah, don't it could think, have been up there. Yeah. I don't think there was anybody else who had his combination
1: of raw power and defensive acumen. No, and it's super important. Like, Twitch. Twitch is kind of the thing that the Pod... I'm not comparing these two, by the way, but just, like, to understand why we're really focusing on explosiveness and Twitch was one of the reasons why the Padres were so interested in Fernando Tatis Jr. Twitchy guy. <laughs> Twitchy guy. It's like seven inches taller right? I know, but I'm just saying, like, Twitchy <laughs> guy. And he, because he was a prospect that nobody cared about yeah. for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, figured it out. That kind of stuff happened. He's being compared right now to Ozzy Albies. That's the comp that he's getting, which I know I have my takes on Ozzy Albies and stuff, but like, relatively speaking, if you get an Ozzy Albies type player, yeah, you'd be very happy with
2: that. Ozzy Albies has been an incredibly successful uh, major league player. Hopefully, Lewis Acuna has a similar better. agent, yeah, <laughs> better too. <laughs> Maybe similar agent to him, so we can get him for no money at all, like the Braves do with all their prospects for some reason whatsoever. But he, and even more than Albies, I think he is a little bit stronger up the middle and just literally has more twitch. Yeah. Ozzy Albies didn't came off shortstop very early in his career, and Ozzy Albies struggled with injuries, especially at the shoulder when he was in the minor league still, and it hasn't happened yet to Acuna, so not worry about that. But it's it, he is basically as good of a prospect that you'll see traded at the deadline yeah a guy who's in the top 50 who with a couple
1: a couple more good months of baseball could be pushing the top 20 and who, who was i talking to that was saying you're just not really going to see top five prospects traded that much anymore i don't think you ever will just because they're so
2: valuable because yeah. they're free. it might be mad eddie maybe it was Matt eddie it might have been yeah it, you just don't because they're so valuable like the bet the worst case scenario basically is that you you have a guy who's going to play for six years for free yeah yeah, that's the end. <laughs> and like, if he's a regular and he's above average, then it's all gravy from there. And you traded the guy, Max Scherzer, who was due a lot of money next year, had been pitching a little bit worse this year than we're used to in the past. Definitely. And you did have to pay some money to get the prospect. Never break down the money here. So he was owed $15 million the rest of the year. We're paying $9 million of that. And he was owed $43 million next year, and we're paying $26.5 million of that. So all in all, he's, Rangers with Max Scherzer are getting $36 million to cover him. And the, that's kind of important just because it affects the way the luxury tax penalties work as well, yep. just because we're in that third level of penalties. So the $9 million this year is off the books and also kills $8 million in penalties because the tax is that you have to pay 90% of every single dollar you're over it. So it's $8 million off top. And next year, if we're in that threshold, just saying we are, not saying we will be because we don't know what's going to happen yet, it's going to be 110% penalty. So that $16.5 million saves us eight, $18 million An next extra year. 18 Yes, extra $18 million on top of
1: that. So... That's a significant amount of money. 100%. 100%. Like, trading guy like Max Scherzer, getting that haul back is, is a really good pull. It's a really good pull. I mean, Acuna is like a top 50 prospect in baseball by Consensus. a lot of people. And we said he's going to be the number one guy most likely in the Mets system. It's a very, very good pull. Um, and just to talk about Max Scherzer a little bit, a little bittersweet, right? I mean, part of the reason we're here, we say it all the time, but part of the reason we're here is Max Scherzer, the whole hoopla when he was signing with the Mets that at that super, super late night, Rocking the Twitter spaces, having all these people in there. The Mets came in there. The podcast people came in there and found us. Like We might not be here if Max Scherzer didn't sign with the Mets. So always will be super grateful, super appreciative. I mean, might. Well, yeah, <laughs> we, we would not. Probably wouldn't <laughs> that be wouldn't here. have happened. We yeah. Went, yeah, it was a miracle. We went
2: viral. That all happened. And then they heard of us, and that's how it worked. But that, it, it did kind of give a bit of a surreal feeling where... Max Scherzer signed here, and he kind of, like, validated what was going to become, like, the Steve Cohen regime with the New York Mets, and he was lights out last year in the regular so season, good. had an incredible year, one of the best years of his career statistically. Struggled with injuries, came back, and was great, and then two games toward the end of the year, similar to how he ended his run with the Dodgers after their big trade for him, kind of ran out of gas. He's older, it happens, like, yep. that's okay. And it was just, it definitely left a weird feeling in a lot of the Mets fans' mouths. I'm very curious to see if he does, if he does pitch here with the Rangers, because they're coming in what, well, a month, month and a half? Yeah. What what, what the response looks like. Because, yeah,
1: I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I,
2: just, I genuinely I genuinely don't know. And it's, as a guy who was g- really so productive here, and also since this year did get going, it was a really rocky start for sure with the injury the suspension, weird first month. Since June 1st, he has a top 10 strikeout minus walk rate in the league. Yeah. And all projections say he's still going to be around a top 15 pitcher in the league for the rest of the regular season. And usually projections are pretty close to being correct. So there's a good chance the Rangers did just get a guy who is going to be a frontline starter for them in their pursuit of taking down the Astros, winning the AL West, and then storming towards a deep playoff run. But a lot of irony
1: in yes. Max are being traded.
2: Even less than a year after we interviewed him. He was one of the first big players, the current players that we interviewed last year when we started doing this show.
1: Arguably like my favorite interview I've ever done. For sure. It was, it it was, was
2: incredibly fun. It was interesting. So engaging. Yeah. He, he. It was even weird how he did it because... John he introduced John, himself to us. Yeah, John was like, you guys want to interview Scherzer? We were like, yeah, sure. We want to interview Scherzer. He's like, okay. And then John brought us down to the dugout in the field. And he was like, I have to run upstairs, but let me know if he comes. And then um, Scherzer, after running sprints in the outfield, just walked up to us. He was like, Hey guys, I'm Max. Ready to do the interview?
1: And we were like, we don't, we don't even have a camera. We're like, I started calling John. I was afraid. I was like, John, he's, he's ready. He's like, I'll be there in two seconds. Yeah. Like, I'm and just around the corner. And John camera go-
3: for that, right? Yes, he yeah, did. did. And John
1: got right back down. We did oh, yeah. it. And it was a great interview. It was awesome. It was awesome. So. Probably post that soon. Yeah. yeah. Shout out, Max Scherzer. We'll miss you here in New York. Yeah. I appreciate the time. And honestly, I really hope the Rangers do well for a couple different reasons. But Yeah, for sure. I really hope they do well. I, I like the Rangers a lot. I like a lot of their players. And it's cool to see like a team going for it. You always appreciate that in baseball.
2: Yeah, of course. And it's also just cool to see that. As like the Mets, like seeing where they are realistically right now, they got a really good player back in return.
1: 100%. And that's not the only trade that they've made. No. We know that they made another one. David Robertson, uh, right before the series started, going to the Miami Marlins. During the series. During the series, technically, yeah.
2: It's very interesting that the Mets
1: made two trades this weekend. Both of them happened during rain delays.
2: (laughs) In the middle of rain delays. Yeah.
1: So they got Marco Vargas back from the Miami Marlins, as well as Ronald Hernandez. I'm going to let you dive a little bit deeper into these guys, because... There was a lot of there was a lot of hoopla and uproar with this one from a lot of people who, lack of a better term, don't know what they're talking about. I wouldn't say these people necessarily don't know what they're talking
2: about, but I was just saying a lot of times people try to be first rather than actually take their time. Find some information and make an educated take. And yeah, I kind of it, tweeted that. It was interesting that this trade happened first. I think that kind of lessened the blow of the Max Scherzer trade because even though it was great. Yes, there was there was a 12 hour window where I would say 75 percent of Mets fans lost their minds. Yes, that the Mets traded who was their current closer in its season because like also that also lessened the blow because like once you trade David Robertson, we know the Mets have had troubles with their bullpen this year. You and we talked of, about it. Yes, we did. We kind of felt the fact that things were going to change if he went. And then he did go and that made us like, all right, someone else is going to go. Didn't exactly think it was going to be Scherzer. Didn't exactly think it was going to be Saturday evening. Didn't think it was going to be right after. He made a great start on Friday. made comments about direction of the team. All All that was not expected. But the fact that David Robertson was traded for what was reported as a team with a really bad farm systems, 18th and 21st, I believe, best yeah. prospects, Made who we were both teenagers, who neither were pitchers. A lot of Mets fans were very offended that we didn't go out and get pitchers after drafting, I believe, 26 pitchers in the last two drafts combined. Yeah. and I, I, A lot of Mets fans really got nervous about that, but I do want to assure people that Marco Vargas, especially, is someone who won. Might be the best prospect the Marlins entire farm system. Yeah, and two is in general very exciting.
1: Yeah, and I mean like talking about like the whole pitching prospects thing. Back, it's a conversation we had off camera, and you can dive dive into it a little bit more. But you mentioned the twenty six guys or twenty five, whatever it is that the Mets have drafted the last few years. Tyler Stewart's been great. Christian yes. Scott's been great. We just got Brandon Sprout. Mike Vassell's been fantastic. There are Blake lo- Tidwell just went to Double A. Blake Tidwell, incredible. Yep. There's a lot of names that the Mets have gotten over the last few years that have been really, really good, and they've developed these guys in a very short period of time. So I'm not saying that I know what the Mets are doing with trades and whatnot, but the idea that they needed a pitching prospect is just a farce. It's not true. And there's also this kind of conundrum with trading for pitchers
2: where there's almost this type of like dead zone in acquiring a pitching prospect. And we talked about this a little bit before, like you mentioned, but you want to be able to grab a guy as early as you can, which is from the draft or as an international free agent, because then you can kind of develop all of their, all of their traits and all their habits. You can kind of build their entire plan and take them in from the ground up, right? And then when you get a guy in the middle, like let's say you get a pitcher in high A, double A, AA, even AAA, like a lot of Mets fans were clamoring for, that pitcher is already being developed by the team, and you might have a completely different plan for that. So it's still, while the pitcher might seem close, they might not actually be close, because you might have to undo some things that have been done, change a shape, change an approach, change a sequencing habit that they have, and then bring them back. So even when you, a guy seems close as a pitching prospect, they might not be close. Yeah. Even as of right now, all the pitchers that Mark mentioned, and we've gotten some great content coming out with a lot of these guys on Future of Flushing. John Vito's podcast, they're gonna do an interview with Drew Toussaint coming up. There is this kind of, like this feeling that right now the Mets have some of the better upper minors pitching depth
1: of any organization in baseball. Because of what's gone on for the last basically 18 months here with these pitching prospects. And like this is where a a tool like Pipeline, like I think Pipeline's fine, like as as a base research thing but like when you're looking at prospect rankings they're so fluid, they're so fluid, they're constantly changing, guys get better, guys get worse. Pipeline just doesn't update regularly enough to change guys like Marco Vargas or a lot of the Mets pitching prospects that have been performing really, really well, like a Christian Scott, where they're just not going to be changing every day. They're not going to be changing every month. They make like two or three changes a year. They, it's yeah. like preseason, draft, end of the year. Yes. That's pretty much what they do. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're covering every single team's prospect in all of baseball. But that's where like the reporting of what the Mets got back or what the Mets pitching depth in their farm system Gets leaves you a little wanting more is because they're just not giving you the full scope of what's happening. And that's why there's a lot of value in using resources,
2: especially like Baseball Prospectus, Baseball America, and Fangraphs. And we had a lot of people from those three outlets, who are three of the most trusted prospect sources in the world. Even some Mets haters. Yes, even some Mets haters. Even someone who drew John's reference before, as Jared Seidler, said that he was absolutely over the moon. He's a Baseball Prospectus prospect writer specifically and a Mets fan, over the moon by these two returns to the Mets just from a prospect perspective because these guys are some people who have elevated their standings this year. Yep. Marco Vargas last year was a 17-year-old in the complex. <laughs> like He had a great year, but like it really it, that just doesn't really matter. You're 17 years old. Best case scenario, you what? You're four years to the major leagues? Yeah. Luis Angelicuna was a prospect who was very up and down because he was explosive. He had a lot of swing and miss, struggled with pitch selection, but had all the raw tools. He had a really bad go last year, double A in his first time there, and a really bad time in the AFL, so he dropped down. This year, he's been great there, so he went back up, and That's, again, like Mark said, where pipeline falls short, where it doesn't update as frequently. Not that their data isn't as good, but they're just less frequent. Baseball America is very proud to update, I think, Matt, told us, every single month. Yeah. That's a new initiative they've done this year. Fangraphs and Prospectus, they're rolling these Prospect updates out kind of just ad nauseum the entire season. Guys playing well, they bump them up, they talk about them, they get aggressive, and then they can kind of make, shift, and maneuver when they have to. And a guy like Vargas is someone who you wouldn't have seen it from the, from the, uh, the MLB pipeline ranking, but he is in. He's a dog. He is someone who can be incredibly, incredibly exciting. Still only 18 years old, a bit of a smaller prospect, six feet tall, about 170 pounds. So he's not very projectable size wise, especially in terms of power ceiling. But he has a very compact, short levered swing from the left side, which is very cool. Yep. I love a nice infield lefty prospect. And he has insane, insane, insane bat-to-ball ability. He has a crazy hit tool, potential to be one of these like really special 70-hit like tool kind of guys. And this year, as an 18-year-old, again, in the complex, he has nearly twice as many walks as strikeouts. Which is huge. As of right now, over the last 10 years of minor league data, he has the third best strikeout-to-walk ratio... Any guy.
1: That's a I I literally just read that any right guy. now in the notes. That's absolutely insane. Insane.
2: And yeah. the, and like two guys ahead of him, neither of them really came out too much, but the guys right behind him are alive. Number one, Kenyon Delgado. I don't know. Yeah. He might be in the minors now. Two, Alejandro Kirk. Say what you want in the major leagues. It's a major League player. Performing. He made an all star team. Four, Wanda Franco. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. To be I'm, not, around. I'm not comparing any of these guys to each other, but I'm just saying like when you're walking out that much more and you're striking out, you're that much more advanced at the level you're at. You have a lot
1: of potential, and it's time to see if you can start rising. And you were telling me the thing about Max Clark, too. Yes. Max Clark, number three overall pick by the Detroit Tigers in this past draft. Uh, extremely hyped-up prospect. Top high school hitter. Top high school hitter. Similar age. Similar age. Six months older than Marco Vargas. And Marco Vargas has basically the same exit videos, the same hit tool, the same grades outside of, like, maybe, like, athleticism grade.
2: Slightly better swing speed, and exit velocities. And that
1: was a guy who just went number three overall in the draft as one of the most highly touted prospects in the entire draft. And maybe you can comment on this because I'm
2: not as hip with the draft stuff, but I don't know what the talent level is compared to, like, a major league complex league versus where Max Clark was playing, a circuit league. He was playing in
1: Indiana, and the, the
3: watch level it. Of, Watch it. Watch it. say anything bad about I'm, the state of Indiana. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, say go anything about it. the Hoosiers.
1: <laughs> I'll just say the... Like playing baseball in the state of Indiana, it's not playing baseball in the state of even New Jersey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
0: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship
1: team. When you think of baseball hotbeds, Indiana is never there. It makes it extremely impressive that Max Clark was even found. The fact that he plays in the state of Indiana. I bet you they don't have many top ten draft picks from high school from the state of Indiana. There's nothing. I'm not like taking any shots at Max Clark by any means. I think he's a great prospect. But the idea is that like where Marco Varga Vargas is. I thought of Nacho Varga for a second. Yeah, you've been saying that all I've been day. Been saying it all day. It's just Better in call my head. Saul. Better Call Saul. Great show. But where uh, Marco Vargas is, he's just been playing professional baseball for another
3: year. Yeah. I'll yeah. have you know, Gil Hodges. Gil Hodges! Scott Rowland and Hall of Famer Chuck Klein, all from the Hoosier State. So you, watch, you, your mouth, you <laughs> watch your math, Mark. watch your math.
1: I will slander Indiana all day. It's a <laughs> flyover, watch your mouth. It's a flyover state for a reason. Basketball, though. But good ball.
2: This, Marco Vargas, while, again, this is...
1: You're, you were trading... Three months about of a almost four year old relief <laughs> yeah. pitcher. Which, and like we just saw Jordan Hicks get traded. Yeah. Who debatably has better stuff than David Robertson. Debatably, but worse results. Worse results, but he throws 103, like wipeout yeah. stuff. They, he just got traded to the Blue Jays for Sam Robertsa and Adam kloffenstein who are like 23-year-old double-A pitchers who are like a whole lot of nothing.
2: Yeah, Klopfenstein's a kind of a meme in the prospect world because he's, for some reason, been an MLB Pipeline Top 100 for years, yeah. and we don't really know why. Those
1: are guys who are rock- rocking, like, 20% K rates at, like, the league average age yeah. in AA. Like, I'm not saying they're not good players, but, like, the idea that the Mets were going to be able to flip David Robertson for this, like, next great pitcher was insane. There was no, no shot it was ever happening. Vito made a good point earlier. He's like, we're trading him for Noah Syndergaard and Travis No, Like, that's not happening again. No. I have a funny question I want to ask you because
2: now we're talking back about David Robertson. How many innings do you think David Robertson threw for the Mets in the last, I wrote it down here, uh, in June and July combined? So, because you basically have (sighs) August, September left. So that's two months. The last two months. How many innings did he throw? 21? 19 and two-thirds. Okay, I was close. 19 and two-thirds for the Mets in the last two months. So you traded about 20 innings of a closer on a team that is decently out of the playoff race for a prospect who, a lot of risk. So much super, risk, yeah, but a ton of ceiling potential. And a guy who is known as being very exciting, very projectable. He he kind of reminded me just looking at his profile, watching his swing and seeing these complex stats. We'll see how he does. John, he's going to Port St. Lucie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, My, maybe. Maybe. Okay, maybe. We'll take a maybe. Strong maybe. Adel Amador.
1: He's been one of the
2: fast biggest rising risers. prospects. Yep. Yeah. And same height, same kind of short swing. Amador's a switch hitter, and he's a little bit bulkier, but he's two years older, so Vargas has the ability to get a little bigger, but Amador right now is projecting as one of the best prospects in the whole league, based get, purely on the data. Get him on the Randy or Rosarena diet. Chicken and rice. Chicken and rice. Chicken and rice and push-ups. Yeah, and push-ups. Yeah. A lot of push-ups. <laughs> That's all you need. And and we got another prospect back in this deal. Yeah, some there's of, one more. Yeah, someone with a very similar profile as Vargas. What's his name? Ronald no. Hernandez, 19-year-old, complex catcher, similar skill set, also more walks and strikeouts. Definitely a little bit lower rated, but similar idea. Just get a guy in the complex who's playing
1: much better than the league average, looks incredibly advanced. Good hitter. And push him up. Just keep moving him. Yep. There's a, a, there's a lot that gets talked about in the world of prospects. From people who just have a baseline understanding. And I'm not gonna pretend like we're experts by any means. No. But we for sure know a decent bit. And past that, just knowing where to look. Yes, research. Like undertaking the extra 10 minutes before
2: you send your tweet Yeah. goes a very, very long Such way. Such a long way. And I remember years ago, other trades that Mets have made for relievers. We once traded Addison Reed for Garrison Batista, Jamie Callahan, and Steven Nagosick. Yeah, lots so of big some, names there. Sometimes you get pitchers who are MLB ready and it really is not gonna turn out so much so even though these guys are 18, 19 years old, very high risk with their high ceilings, like sometimes the guys who are closer. Also high risk. Jimmy Callahan's shoulder like fell off. It was done. Yeah. Couldn't pitch anymore. Steven Negosic. Say what you wanted about him. He did make it. Gerson Batista. Part of another trade that we can't <laughs> we're not going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that we got to win Diaz. Yeah, we got to win Diaz. Great win trade. Diaz. A Trade that really worked out. Like a trade of the hothead for the best closer ever.
3: There's also other context to consider. Like you mentioned, Hernandez. He came over to the states two years ago. Struggled a bit in the FCL. This year, his OBP has increased by 135 points. That's a lot. As he learns, Vargas is stateside for the first time. So. These are young. These are young people. Forget players. These are young people that are coming to a brand new country for the first time that, ever. For the first time ever, having brand new experiences, and the you can't just look at the baseball reference page as much as you want to. And I'm yeah. inclined to do that as well. But there's a lot of context. And when a guy thrives in his first or second year in the states, there's reason to be even more excited about a prospect like that.
1: I had a uh, I got a class at South Carolina. It was about like the business of baseball, and it was taught by the guy who owned the Columbia Fireflies when wow. the Mets were part were affiliated with them and he used to be the owner of the savannah sand Nats, and he told a story which was very funny because i was the only mets fan obviously in the class about this young prospect that was in savannah as a 16 year old for the first time ever in america by the name of wilmer flores and he goes like i like basically brought him in as part of my family like he's a child who doesn't speak any english in savannah georgia which couldn't be less (laughs) baseball inclined at all He's like, these kids, like, there's a lot of growing that goes on for a lot of them outside of also playing baseball with the pressure a lot of times of, like, being extremely successful. This is what their family might need sometimes. Duncan, could you imagine dropping 16-year-old Mark into the Megan Republic? Absolutely not. So just exist. Live your life. <laughs> Absolutely go, not. go Go be a superstar. <laughs> I, I,
2: I would fail. <laughs> yeah, I would right? fail. Seems really hard. And also, just as we wrap up this conversation, I know Mark also wants to go through a little bit of who the Marlins had ranked ahead the of these guys, but you really just... There is this kind of inclination to outrage Mets fans on the internet. Yes, people know that that gets clicks, that that gets better engagement. It's obvious, and you see reporters who are out there. I'm, I'm not going to say who said this, but there was one reporter who did an unbelievable double take, and it was uh, uh, <laughs> it was it was twelve, almost 10, exactly ten hours apart. His tweet, the first <laughs> one when this trade happened, started with "Texted with an MLB scout who admits he doesn't know much about these young minor leaguers." Where so should it ended? Should, shouldn't shouldn't End. once you write that, you should not send a tweet. So I'm now commenting about someone's comment who admitted, and I'm telling you they admitted they know nothing about these players, (laughs) thought the Mets would get more like what the Cubs got last year for Ben Brown. Mets need pitching in their system. Drafted, over 20 pitchers in the last two drafts. (laughs) They thought they used Robertson to add a pitcher. And again, this is an unfair comparison because the Ben Brown, who the Cubs got last year from the Phillies for David Robertson, has ascended to a star. Top 10 overall pitching prospect in baseball. When that trade was made, though, Ben Brown was a 22-year-old in high A who is still really good, getting good results, but struggling with command. And since then, he's had a meteoric rise. There's absolutely no saying that that doesn't happen to Marco Vargas over the yeah. next year. There's also no saying it will. No saying it won't. No way to say that, but to compare that from last year, a little bit unfair. Another other thing that people were getting first, actually, I want to close this loop here. Same person <laughs> tweeted 10 hours later. Heard from a former GM who wanted to defend Epler. I get the fans won't like the trade, but this is how you build a strong farm system. You bet on the best talent, regardless of position, age, or level, based on your organizational scouting, not a prospect ranking. Give it some time. Correct. The same person said those
1: two tweets 10 hours apart. <laughs> I mean, it's just word vomit, like yeah. at that point. It's Whatever. just crazy.
2: But and people were upset about the fact that the Mets made this trade days before the deadline, where it's it logically that could make some sense, especially the Ben Brown thing. That the idea happened. of leverage. Yeah, waiting, leverage, like work. But technically, That might not work for the Mets because everyone and their mother knew they wanted to trade David Robertson, the 38-year-old in a one-year deal on a team that is far out of the playoff race. And two, if they really liked Marco Vargas, which by all accounts, they very much did, like we said before, he was the Marlins' best piece. And the Marlins have been very aggressive this deadline. They're probably not even done yet. John's Marlins, as they fall well out of the playoff race. And we, the Mets I don't see them. I said first
3: half team. I said first half <laughs> and team. And the Mets don't see them again for
2: two months, which <laughs> so is crazy to think Football about. will be being played. So Aaron Rodgers will play multiple games to the Jets, hopefully, by the time we see the Miami Marlins again. Don't talk about my coach. Don't talk about my coach. Like, that's a low blow. But... If this is the guy you wanted, and they're going to dangle him for other relievers, other hitters, other starting pitchers, then you have to just make the trade. Yeah. If you circled this guy, and a lot of prospect people are saying he probably already is a top seventy-five prospect with another good year, especially if he gets good results in single A, could be the Mets' second best prospect, by the way. Literally, he could be. It's not the third. He could be. He could really push all the way up the system, all the way up prospect ranks. By the time MLB pipeline comes out next year, he could be a comet. <laughs> he could be meteor rising. So then, if this is the guy, if you circled him, you're scouting, you believe in everything. If the organization is coherent in total, you go out and get the guy you want to get. That's a good move.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, some of the guys that were head of him in the Marlins organization real quick. Max Meyer, Tommy John. Jacob Berry has been god-awful. Awful. Dax Fulton, injuries. Jake Eater, another Braxton Garrett. Tommy John. Joe Mack is 20 years old at high A and has a 552 OPS. Sounds bad. Yiddy Cap, Jacob Miller. Jordan Groshans has never hit in his life. Sixto Sanchez. Sixto Sanchez he hasn't has, played baseball in years. He still has rookie eligibility when he comes back, if how, he ever comes he? back. He's uh 25. He'll be 26, I think, in a few months here. The prospect rankings are just they're a they're a tool, but don't make it like word proof anything.
2: Something else, I think I've noticed with MLB pipeline. This isn't like corroborated, This isn't. I haven't like regressed this statistically, but it seems like since they're very much intertwined with Major League Baseball, because they are yeah. they're same place. They will a lot of times use what a guy gets as a signing bonus when they sign internationally, mm. of course. And Marco Vargas was not a, hot, a hotly sought after international signed player. Neither was Luis Angel Helicuña. No. Both of them were a little smaller, and that will hurt your signing bonus a lot. So sometimes MLB Pipeline, when a guy's not signed very highly, it takes them a very long time to actually put them high in their list. And there's a really, really, really good example of this that yeah. Mark and I found the other day, totally, totally original, totally independently tweeted it. Both got great engagement
1: at some tweets. And that <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely didn't get a text from uh, anyone here. Johnny Stats like <laughs> no, five minutes before I tweet out the hanger of a tweet. No way. But <laughs> one of the most
2: exciting young players in baseball right now, his name, if you guys have ever heard of him, Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah, I've heard of him. Brian De La Cruz's brother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In 2023, he's 21 years old, and he is one of the most exciting players in Major League Baseball. At the end of the 2021 season, so one full year of the minors in between there, he was not in the Cincinnati Reds' top 30 prospects NLB pipeline. Yeah. He was not in their top 30. There were There's a who's who of names who were in the top 30 besides (laughs) him. Not him. Joe Boyle, who's actually had had a bit of resurgence recently. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it, you can't really go to these rankings and take them as gospel because they're just not.
1: Even from the Mets, Francisco Alvarez in 2019 was the 13th ranked prospect behind big names like Shervian Newton, Anthony Kaye, Thomas Zipucky, Franklin Colome, and Desmond Lindsay. I mean, Michael Ciani. I'm still waiting for the breakout for the <laughs> yeah. Reds. If they got one more outfielder in that team. They're going to make a run this year. Yeah, don't worry about Michael Ciani. Yeah, I mean, like that's <laughs> your boy Ivan Johnson, of course. That's kind of the whole just conversation that we wanted to have with you guys about these trades. The Mets got a lot of really good stuff back. Yes, and a lot of smart people think the Mets did a really good job this yeah. weekend. So I think based on what we've seen, what we've heard, what we know, you should be happy with the haul back. I understand like trading Max Scherzer and David Robertson like is is sad. Like I think we. We very much wanted the Mets to be buyers. Like we were hoping there was a world that that existed, but it's just not the case right now. The the problem isn't the
2: reaction to what happened. The problem is what's happened. The problem is the reality. The problem is that the Mets have had a disappointing season, and now they found it more advantageous to trade these guys for assets rather than keep them for the next half of the season. Which is the right move. And that, but that part does suck. That part sucks. Wake up in the morning every day. I'm like, I wish the Mets were in the first place again. Yeah, like I do. I, 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 wish it'd be great if they were. But sometimes
1: you have to, you have to see the forest through the trees. And that's it. And despite all that, the Mets took three or four from the Nationals this weekend. Yeah, they really played in a really series. good baseball. Really good baseball. 14-9 and 9 so far in July. Yeah, I mean, it's been great. Talk about game one. Kodai Senga, again. So great. So fantastic.
2: Great. It is even a game where he wasn't really getting the same amounts of strikeouts compared to walks I've seen in recent games. Only, only three walks and only five strikeouts. We had 14 whiffs and six innings. And he gave one earned run on a leadoff walk to C.J. Abrams, who stole a base and scored in a sack fly. And the biggest thing about Sanga this last month and a half, said a lot to you guys, this Cutter has really, really, really transformed his game. If he's primary pitch on Thursday, second time he's done that this month, only two times he's done that this entire season where Cutter was the most thrown pitch. Mm -hmm. He's thrown more Cutters than Ghost Forks now this season, if you talk about how far that pitch has come along and how often he's been using it recently. Weirdly though, he didn't throw any of them in 0-2 or 1-2 counts. It's just really, really, really becoming like his key way to get soft contact Hmm. and we said that was something he was struggling with the first month six weeks he was here he was getting ahead of these counts and then sometimes the guys were ready for the ghost fork and then they were kind of just waiting for the fastball and there wasn't really a way to pitch through he got past that by pitching backwards now adding in the cutter he's got over a 50% ground ball rate against awesome and a 71% poor contact rate per Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard something you guys can find on Twitter keeps every single staff or every single pitch a little more in-depth than uh, baseball savant, that seventy-one percent poor contact rate is the second for any pitch by any starting pitcher in all of baseball. Wow! The only one with a better poor contact rate is Kyle Hendricks' change It was a
1: way smaller sample too.
2: Yes, and he's a guy who's been using that changeup as the only thing, basically keeping in the major leagues for what a half a decade now, eight years. Kyle <laughs> Hendricks. So the fact that this pitch and Kodaseng has been throwing it for eight weeks in total, just learned it. And the fact that it's early getting this good of results is ridiculous. And with that, it supplements the goes fork really well. It had another 50% whiff rate game, which lowered its full season whiff rate down to around 60%, <laughs> which is really stupid. It's still one of the best pitches in baseball. And as of Saturday, Kodai Senga ranked fourth in the NL in ERA, fourth in strikeout rate, and third in batting average against.
1: Yep, I mean, he's been great. Remember when Kyle Hendricks made a start in the 2015 playoffs against the Mets? God, yeah. Oh That's God. a long time ago. Eight years ago. Yeah, he's still there. He's still kicking kicking yeah. around. But yeah, Vogie had a big hit in the eighth inning, tying the game up. Then we had that like super crazy rain delay where it just poured like crazy for like 40 minutes. Yes.
3: Question for you guys. Which rain was crazier? I've been big on the weather, Vito can attest to that recently. Weird w- weather,
1: week. Johnny Radar.
3: I mean, the weather has been insane, so... And those were both, like, end-of-time storms, so which, were- uh, which one was spookier to you guys? Which one had you shook?
1: <sighs> I think I think uh, the first one, Thursday. Yeah, yeah Thursday nights, because
2: I was in the car that, uh, during that game. Oh, that's I, not good. No, my, my sister very nicely came picked me up to go home for the weekend to Jersey, and... Once she got to me, she was like, you have to drive back. I was like, all right, that's super fair.
1: <laughs> you said and your sister's a little scared, too, driving.
2: She's gotten so much better since she like lived and like worked in Southside South Side of Chicago. She's, nice. she's really good now. She used to be not so good, but now she's really good. I hope she listens to this. I hope Shout maybe out Julia. My mom or dad hears this. Shout, Shout out, out to Julia. Julia. Thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> not you, John. <laughs> <laughs> not John. John can't say that. Why not? <laughs> john, you guys, you know, john, John's john got a wife and kid at home. Um, <laughs> but this rain delay was also really weird because the Mets have just tied the game up. Yeah. The game where they were being shut out until the eighth inning. And before that rain delay, David Roberts was warming up in the bullpen. Yeah. And then during the rain delay, Brooks Rayleigh came out after him. A of people were like, well, I wonder why that happened. And then we figured out why that happened. It yeah. kind of made the whole David Robertson saga get a little weird as
1: well. Yep, Mark Canna with the sack fly. Mets win this game. Brooks Rayleigh with the save. Brooks Rayleigh with the save. Best closer in baseball. Brooksy baby. Let's go. Game two. Max Scherzer's last start with the Mets. Really good. Really good. So good. Really uh good send-off, I guess. Yeah. And uh it was it was it was, it was weird that he had such a
2: good start. And he was traded after it. Yeah. Usually, when you have an asset you're trying to trade, especially one that is older and
1: has been injured, like you don't, usually doesn't pitch. Yeah, it's typically the way it goes, but maybe that's also what the Rangers were like, ooh, a little Max Scherz Yeah, You could, you Let look me, good. Come get a little Max in there. And Pete, totally back. Pete's so back. He's, he's just been back. crushing baseballs. Even today, he had like a, a ball off the end of the bat, like right to the warning track, and left fielder, like, man, yeah, swing's feeling good right now.
2: Yeah, it's, it's just, it just looks like he's just healthy again, which is a really big thing for Pete. And, this up. the exit velocity is right here. The one home run, 112 and 112.5, the other 107.1. Crushed. So I mentioned that stat about two balls in play in one game with over 105 miles
1: an hour exit velocity. Seems like Pete's back. It was, uh, it was a very, very clean win again for the Mets. Uh, John saying that Piazza t- or Pete tied a couple of Piazza things in the game. What do you got for us? 30th home run.
3: Yes. Now has four seasons with 30-plus home runs, tied for the most in Mets history. And he also is now tied with Mike and Carlos Beltran, the most multi homer games with 17. Okay. And his first homer went 453. Wow. He has the same amount of home runs hit 450 feet or more as Shohei Otani when wow. he broke into the league. Wow. So yeah. that's awesome. That guy's a freak. Yeah. And there probably was a, the best power hitter in Met history.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's probably the best power hitter in baseball since he came up. He's like 25 home runs clear of the field. Like we said <laughs> the last episode, it's ridiculous. But also, something super nerdy, super weird baseball scoring thing happened this game. Didn't mean anything, but I thought it was funny. Keeper Ruiz dropped a foul pop up by Jeff McNeil. And it prolonged the at bat, so ruled an error. And then Jeff McNeil hit a single. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. So it still ruled a hit, even though it would have been
1: under run if he came around to score. Yeah. Just nerdy baseball thing I thought was kind of yep. cool. Nerdy That's baseball seconds. for sure. Then yeah. you have game three, the torrential rain caused a delay. And as that delay was happening, <laughs> Matt Scherzer gets traded. Matt Scherzer <laughs> trades happening. I was at my house. I was prepared to make a video, record the Scherzer part because all the reports had been coming out already. And then it was like 8:15. Hadn't heard anything. I was like, I'm going Weird to the hour. game.
2: Weird hour. Weird
1: hour. I'm like, I'm going to the game because it's delayed 8.30. I sent my parents away. My parents came to go go to the game with me. I'm like, go without me. I'll meet you there. As soon as I get out of the Uber at City Field, my phone starts buzzing. Max Scherzer has been officially traded to the text yeah. trainer. I'm like, this is unbelievable timing for me trying to make a video.
2: Because we're like 10 minutes there where it seemed like... It would like this might not happen.
1: Based on Twitter, it got a little scary. Yeah, it, would, it would have been
2: quite awkward. Uh, saga, I think, as Heyman called it. Someone, yeah, someone well, I'm it blocked. Yeah, you wouldn't have seen that.
1: A lot of saw saga. John Heyman in the city. Yeah, I was just walking around in New York. Turn on the corner, I go, oh my god, it's John Heyman. <laughs> standing right next to him. Was he wearing like gym shorts? <laughs> he was just hanging out. I mean, respect it. Respect, dude. Among the yeah. people.
2: Yeah, it was uh, another tough start for Carrasco, who's had a really rough go of it, and the fact that. We watched Max Scherzer go as he was getting crushed in the first inning. That was that was a weird
1: moment. About Reed Garrett though, let's talk about him. Reed Garrett looked good. I'm
2: not gonna lie. <laughs> Reed, Reed Garrett looked really good. It was only his third appearance of the year. He'd been he'd bounced around the Orioles, Nationals, Tigers the last few years. Primary pitch was a slider and was above 90 miles an hour. Nice He's hard nice. nice hard slider too. 97 mile an hour fastball with pretty decent hop, good okay. rising action, and he
1: mixed in a splitter. It also looked good. Okay, could be a find. Could be fun. Could be a find. Something we're gonna learn probably as the season goes on. Yeah. We're gonna find some guys. Scherzer's sure going get more innings. He almost threw three innings too. We'll still we'll still hop by the end of it. Yeah, and Mark Vientos. Home run. He's been hot since he yeah. called, got called up. I think you said 6 for 18. I think it might be 7 for 21. Or is it 6 for 18? I thought I saw 7 for 21 on Twitter today. Regardless, he's hitting 300 since he's been called there up. Extra base hits, doubles, home runs. Looking great at the plate. Yep, and Francisco Alvarez his
2: twentieth home run of the season. That made him the second catcher, age twenty one years old or younger, to have twenty home runs in the season, only behind Johnny Johnny Bench. We're gonna we're gonna get you, Johnny. Seven home runs to beat Johnny Bench for the most home runs ever by a catcher, age twenty one or younger. We've been coming for that stat since April.
3: John, I have a trivia question for you guys. He is the first catcher to hit rookie catcher with twenty homers in a season since who? Giovanni Soto. No, that's a good guess, and it's like kind of Gary Sanchez. What? Gary Sanchez. No. Whoa. All right, I don't know, who is it? I mean, take another guess. Take another two. guess. Another rookie like, catcher? You guys watched this dude play, and Legal. he had a crazy fall off. He was doing this to Korea in like two years, it felt like. Ooh, doing this to Korea.
2: Interesting. My next guest is going to be Wilson I Gonzalez. was going to honestly guess Travis Darno. No. no, rookie, he developed not develop power until he was 31 years That's old. That's true, So <laughs> <laughs> he went to Atlanta.
1: No,
3: I'm blanking, John. He had 28 what are you... homers in 2012 as a rookie catcher. 2012.
1: 2012. Man, I'm, Chris Iannetta. No. no.
3: Who is it? Willian Rosario. Whoa. Oh.
2: Never yeah. would have pulled that
1: no. name out. deep
3: pull. That, yeah. that Colorado wheel. Rockies, though. Yes. Wow. Right
1: idea. That sent me right back in, though. Interesting. Willian Rosario. By 2016, legend. gone. You're right. Out what of, happened out of, to out of, of the bigs. He must have been horrible defensively. Must have not been able to catch. A little juice, juice. Yeah, a little juice, juice. <laughs> but yeah, Alvarez, awesome. Awesome yeah. hitter. Like 250 plate appearances here as 20 homers. No,
2: and then wrap this series up. Game four on Sunday. Weird vibes. Day after the Scherzer trade. Just... Strange. strange. Come. Yeah, Come. Strange. A little, like, like a film was over everybody here. Yeah. Maybe it's us especially because, again, like the, the fascinations we've had with Scherzer, the way that he kind of helped, uh, helped spawn us individually yeah. and as a duo here. But Verlander was great. Gave, gave a run the first inning then was super clean after that. Left in the sixth to a really, really nice standing ovation. For a very, sure. A very appreciative fans, a group of fans at City Field. Really, really let Justin Verlander here. That
1: was really nice because yeah. he
2: threw a good game and he's been – Light's out for like two months now.
1: Yeah. I mean the the offense also started to swing the bat as well. McNeil hit in third, got a couple hits for us, big, big RBI at one point down the line. Lindor Home run, double, single, triple away from the cycle. Pete Alonso swinging the bat. I know he didn't get any, like uh, I think, results, but he was swinging the bat well. Almost got the
2: third game this calendar month where Francisco Lindor had four balls of play over 100 miles an hour. Yep. That's something that, of course, John didn't listen last episode. That's something Xander Bogart's only done twice in his career. Yeah.
1: Lindor almost did three times.
3: Don't slander me like month. that. 100,
1: 100, <laughs> 199 tonight. Speaking of John, John's favorite player, Danny Mendick, big day. Yeah, got a huge double. day for for three to Danny Huge, day. Yeah, Danny huge day. Huge day for Danny Mendick. brought the OPS up, like 200 points. Yeah. It's a good day, it was a good day, Extra clean, base hit. clean day of baseball, David uh, Peterson came into this game, did a pretty good job too, gave up a run but it was unearned, then Adovino and elite closer Brooks Raley <laughs> struck out the side. Yeah, good baseball baby. Good baseball. Team,
2: I don't know, there might be something about just the looseness now this team's going to have. It looked like they are really just having fun out there. Lindor
1: looked really relaxed.
2: Really chill, he made a great play up the middle. Couple on, great yeah, plays. A couple great plays. Brooks Raley was cracking a huge
1: smile. Yep. Jeff hit the triple relaxed calm just get to play some ball with the boys play some ball with the boys play some ball with the boys three or four from the nationals keep moving on got the royals series coming up next which we'll talk about here in a second but we of course have to talk about the estimate john how did we fare what were we looking at
3: there were a lot of pitchers used in this series there were 25 different guys used your guesses are crazy high yeah but it turned out to actually not be that high like not too over the top high so another dub for mark yeah another dub for mark but james you got the boston one yeah. I guess you guys didn't... We didn't have to count on that. No, we didn't. James, yeah. James got one in Boston. So I'm up, two, up plus two. two. Two up. Up two. On aggregate. On aggregate. So now, Kansas City barbecue. Mm-hmm. Great um, barbecue. Really
2: good barbecue in Kansas City.
3: You know, Chris Madzkowski today was telling me that Kansas City barbecue is one of the most overrated things in America. Ooh,
1: place. He does not pick good places, I think. I think that... North Carolina barbecue is the most overrated barbecue I've ever had. North Carolina, I think they're all good. That's kind but of would, too saucy for me. I would say North Carolina is, is definitely worse than South Carolina, no doubt. That's some Carolina I didn't pride. Know South Carolina had barbecue <laughs> way better, significantly <laughs> better. But Texas barbecue is awesome. Missouri barbecue or St. Louis barbecue, technically this is called, really good. Tennessee barbecue is awesome too. Okay. Has some great Memphis barbecue. I haven't done as much touring of the South as you have. Rendezvous being a, being in Memphis. A, being, a, being an SEC
2: boy, but I really enjoyed Kansas City barbecue when I was there.
3: Well, Madge doesn't seem to like it, so maybe I could put you guys in touch and you could uh, maybe... Yeah, we'd love to. Guide him. Oh, love to argue with Madge. <laughs> All right, well, anyway. Bobby Wood Jr., red hot. The Royals, by the way, heating up just in time. Uh, they just swept the Twins. And <laughs> twins in that series, so Bobby Wood Jr. Two homers, a double, a triple... 9 RBI. Walk-off Grand Slam. <laughs> Walk-off Grand Slam. Did you see the girl, the video of the girl from Georgia who yeah. went to see her favorite player play and he did that? Very that's cool. Very that's, cool. That's big league.
2: That was also the uh, fastest pitch that was hit for home mm-hmm. run outside the strike zone since we had pitch tracking in 2015. Yeah, pretty cool. It was, that was insane. Bobby Witt's sick. He's so good.
1: Glad I got some baseball cards of him. Nice.
2: Great
3: player. And the Mets, very good shortstop of their own, Francisco Lindor. You don't say. Last three games against the Nats, 6 Quote for 12, that. two homers and a double. So two premier shortstops in the game. So I want you guys to tell me how many total bases, or how many total bases combined, will there be between Bobby Witt Jr. and Francisco Lindor?
1: Where'd you get the whiteboard from?
3: In BYOWB. You bringing your own whiteboard? Oh, I got one. I got oh, one. Oh,
1: John's you. got a whiteboard got one, for, me. for yep. me. I can't wait. I haven't brought my handy dandy backpack here. in a long time. Let me get that whiteboard, John. While well, James total bases. Total bases. Here. Yeah, Bobby series. Bobby Witt's been great. Blazing hot. Thank Hyde. goodness stolen bases don't count because he yeah, steals he's, them all. Steals a base or two. He's a fast boy. Yeah, he's a great player. Yeah, it's also,
2: I mean, the Royals pitching staff has been not so great, I'd say, for the last, I don't know, 20, 25-ish years. <laughs> so, <laughs> Nah, they were good in 2015. Give me some options. They were okay. They were good enough. You forgot one. Good. You're, you're over forgot a couple. <laughs> underrating. <laughs> they were fine. Johnny Cueto, Edinson, Volquez,
1: Giordano, Ventura. Giordano? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't may, know why I thought Jordani.
2: May you rest in peace. Yeah.
1: They had some good pitchers on that team. All right. Um, Danny Duffy, was he there? Wow. Total yeah, bases by the two. Joe Barlow was DFA'd. Really? Bring him home. And he used to follow me on Instagram. so Don't care. He doesn't follow me anymore. <laughs> <He> unfollowed <laughs> you? Unfollowed me. Don't care. Oh, I was so wow. high Bobby high Joe Barlow. A lot last of year. total bases uh, between the two. I'm gonna go with. Yeah, I feel yeah. good about this. And you know what? I'm gonna say 80% is gonna come from Francisco. I'm gonna. We don't care about the Jinx anymore. No, no more. We've been anti-Jinx. No more Jinx. No more Jinx. No jinx. Francisco's gonna have 80% of this. I got mine. All right, ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Bang, 14. 13. Wow, we just always on it. Always oh, so close. I was about to do 14. I, I raced it for the 13. But you're normally an under guy. You should feel good about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nor, If I'm higher, it normally I, is a good don't know. thing for you. This series, I would like to be the over guy, if I'm being honest. That's going to be tough for you. What are our pitching matchups? John, thank you for the estimate, as always. Thank you, John.
2: Pitching matchups of this series. Tuesday, 8-10. Jose Quintana versus Zach Rank. Battle of two wily veterans. We're going to see a <laughs> lot of pitches below 90 miles an hour in this game, guys. A lot of changes, As many as you could possibly imagine. Game two, Wednesday, oh, also eight ten Kodai Sanga versus Alec Marsh. Alec Marsh is a pitcher who has the potential to have potential. That's yeah. the best way I could put that. That's fair. He's I like struck out yet. like
1: 10 once. Yeah, if he was in most other organizations in baseball, I'd be like, he, he could be exciting. Royals might be a little smart. I don't know if that's a true, A little, hitting-wise. Maybe a little. A little home-run power out of they, these guys. They were a
2: little smart hitting-wise, but then we stole their minor league hitting coordinator a few years ago. They've been <laughs> not true, been smart since. True. He literally built Vinny Pasquantino. He built Bobby Wood. and got the power from yeah, him. Yeah, all of a sudden now, they've all stopped developing these hitters, it's and we got fair. their guys. I'm so just fair. saying. And then Thursday, we have an open spot because that was Max Scherzer's uh, it seems like based on minor league schedules, Tyler McGill is on track to pitch that day. His results in Triple A have not been very good, but we don't know exactly. Don't want to speculate. And two ten game also Thursday afternoon, Brady Singer from the Royals. Okay,
1: yeah, I mean Brady Singer is like definitely their best pitcher, but he has a five five ERA this year. So. Pitching a little better recently. Okay, yeah, there were more I change-ups.
2: mean the uh, the Royals won thirty one games. Yeah, it's a bad baseball team. The Royals barely are ahead of the A's, and they're allegedly trying.
1: Yeah, they they I think they are.
2: I think I they think are they trying. Are. Yeah, um, Salvador Perez is out for a little bit now. He's back. Michael Garcia is someone who's a little bit exciting, I would I say. At top of their order. He is oh no. I thought he was cousins with uh the Acunas. He is he's a lot of a lot of major league baseball people in his family. Okay. I don't remember exactly who, but he's a lot of connections there. Yeah. Uh Bobby Wood's incredible. MJ Melendez has had not so good of a season, but he is a pet guy who still hits the ball really hard and has a lot of potential. Um, past that, they they start Nikki Lopez at, at first base. What? On
1: Sunday. He's, what, 5'8"? He's also, like, Real one thin. of the best defensive middle infielders in baseball. doesn't make sense to put him at first base. They didn't care. Follows me on Twitter, nice guy. There you go. They didn't care. So, yeah, uh, I'm not going to tell you guys' this team is very good, but they're not. Their cool thing is, like, in the bullpen, they have some guys that throw a little hard, and they do have John's favorite left-handed opener, Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah, they do. Shove
3: today. Of course he
2: yeah. did. Shoved today. We're going to miss Yarbrough. Sorry for John. Carlos Hernandez is also going to be the reliever. I shout out. He is uh, probably some of the most electric stuff in I baseball. texted you about him. I think, like, last year and then in no. the World Baseball Classic, I was like, this dude. Because he – because he, I was really hot on him a few years ago because he came into their rotation when they just had an opportunity and it's a good park to pitch, so deep fantasy baseball league. You're like, give me the guy who throws 100 miles an hour. <laughs> he looked really bad. He's kind of changed the shape of his fastball a little bit, which is a really hard thing to do, really weird to do that, and he has a good slider. Really looked incredible in the World Baseball Classic, and he's had not a good year results-wise this year in the bullpen, but his stuff is off the charts amazing. He's a guy who, like, maybe someone can just – can trick the Royals into, tra- into trading him because the 3.60 RA, Maybe the Royals will be like, "Oh yeah, he's not really that good, but he's really good, very good." You're going to see him throw an inning and be like, "Whoa, Carlos Hernandez!" So that's your guy to watch this series. Yeah,
1: I mean, sweep. Let's sweep him.
2: Yeah, let's start playing some good baseball. Let's sweep. Let's go. Let's get let's confident. Lose. Let's
1: go. Let's go. Wild card. Mets went 14-9 in the month of July. Solid month. Month's not over. No? Oh, they're off tomorrow. You're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The month month's is over. over. Yeah. yeah. 14-9 in the month of July. Let's keep playing good baseball. Keep winning some games. We'll worry about what we have to worry about if it gets to that time. Yeah, who knows? Maybe there'll be more stuff to
2: break down. when We talk to you guys next on Thursday.
1: Yeah, but otherwise, guys, that is it for this episode of the Messed Up Podcast. Big shout out to Dylan on the camera for us this episode. Hey, appreciate you helping us out. I don't think we've ever shouted
3: out Brian once.
1: We've well when he was sleeping, <laughs> when he was taking a nap. Yeah, Dylan.
3: Dylan's getting ready for royals Yankees. He's got he's got his Gunnar Henderson <laughs> T shirt at home. He's ready to go.
1: But yeah. Big shout out to Dylan. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching this episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Make sure you follow us on all our social media, at Mets Up on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. We're going to have a lot of content coming out for you guys these next few days. Uh, If you're watching the YouTube version of this, New York Mets YouTube channel, subscribe over there. And if you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey. Drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. James, what's your Twitter? James underscore Shiana At Giraffe Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time.